Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the active skin repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates and you are listening to episode 191 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free podcast. On today's episode, I'm answering community questions from the Chaos to Calm Summit last week. And what a week it was. I got a ton of feedback about the week, and I can't wait to host the next one. Actually, if you attended the Chaos to Calm Summit, you should have received an email from me with a link to a feedback form, and I would love to know what you loved and where you think the summit can improve. The goal is to make it the best week possible for all of those who attend, and as this was the first one, I know there are some things that can and will get better. So check your email and fill out that quick survey to let me know. I think there are only five questions, and I'm doing a prize drawing for it too, so if you get your answers in by 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on Sunday, February 11th, you will be entered for the drawing. And if you missed this year's summit, you can get all of the recordings of the presentations, speaker bonuses, and so much more by going to chaostocalmsummit.com. But this is the last week it will be available, so don't wait to check it out. And before we get into today, I do want to just take a quick second to say thank you for being here. There are so many new listeners that are coming from the summit, and I want you to know that I appreciate each and every one of you. If you like what you hear, I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And as always, it makes my day when you like this show enough to share it with others. So my goal is to make sure that I bring you information that you find actionable, helpful, and encouraging as you embark on your decluttering and organization journey. With that, let's get into four questions I received from the attendees of the summit. As it was a live Q&A, I want to make sure I got all the information right, so I'm actually going to re-record these and not just play you the direct audio. 
All right, so there were more than four questions, but these were the four that stood out to me the most. And I know that they are ones that are very popular because I do hear them often. So I thought I could tackle these four. If you like this format, I can do a part two. If you have more questions, send them to me. I do love these Q&A episodes. So uh, let's get into it. All right, the first one I wanted to tackle today is what do you do with kids' paperwork once it comes home and you go through it all? So that's the first step, right? Actually look through it. I used to struggle with this a lot, and the old way I was dealing with it was just because I didn't want to deal with it on a daily basis. So I actually just had a box in the top uh, shelf of our daughter's closet, and I would just take the paper she brought home, and I would put it in that box. Now, when she was younger, we were actually at a different school, and they would send a homework folder home every single day. She actually had homework every day. So it was just a lot to deal with, although I should have been better about it because dealing with it really quickly when you when it comes home every day, there's less to deal with. So it is a little bit easier. But that old way where I just had the box and I put all the stuff in just literally would just dump it in there out of sight, out of mind. The good thing about that was it was super easy, right? It didn't actually affect our day to day function very much. It didn't take any extra time and it kept everything kind of running smoothly throughout the week. The bad thing, of course, was it was super overwhelming because you would get to the end of the year and now you had a giant stack of paper that you had to deal with all at once. And trust me, no one wants to sit down with giant stacks of paper. So I definitely don't suggest doing the old way that I used to do because it helps on a daily basis, but it's not great for the long term. The new way I do it is now I actually toss stuff right away. So we are also lucky in that the new school she goes to, they actually only get a homework folder. Well, they get homework every day. They have a packet that they get the whole week and they do little bits every day, but they only bring home paperwork once a week. So they have a Wednesday folder and all of the stuff comes home on Wednesday. And now I get to see the projects and the papers from the whole week. And she actually doesn't bring that much paper home anymore in comparison to what she did at her last school. So she and I will go through it on Wednesdays when we come home, and I have her tell me if there's anything she wants to keep in there. Generally, there's not. Usually, it's just worksheets and things like that, and she doesn't really care. And then we'll look at it at dinner time when we're sitting down for dinner because, you know, I want my husband to be involved and her dad to be involved in that part as well. So we do one last review as a family just to kind of talk about it, see what she's learning, and ask her the things she enjoys about it. But then we don't keep it. We recycle it right away. So that makes it pretty simple. Now that's just what you would do with the worksheets and the little things. One of the suggestions that was made by one of the attendees at the summit was to actually make gift cards out of the kids' artwork. So do you remember when your kids were little? I mean, and and maybe your kids are still little. They do a lot of artwork. Our daughter is 10. She doesn't do a lot of painting or coloring or anything like that as much anymore. Now she's into things like jewelry or making bigger projects. But when they were little, there was so much artwork. There were so many little paint projects and drawing projects and all things like that. So what she suggested was making gift cards out of it to send to the grandparents. And I love that idea because there is so much that they are doing on a regular basis. And if you can send them cards for their birthdays just to say hello, they love that kind of stuff. So I really loved the idea of making cards out of the artwork that your kids are already doing and making. And then that way you're spreading the love and you're sharing it with the people that actually care about it and really, really want to see it. So I loved that one. All right, so now let's talk about what do we do with the bigger projects and the things that are a little more special. What I love to do is I love to take pictures with the projects. Now, I know a lot of people will tell you to take pictures of the projects, 
but I said with the projects. And what that means is you actually take a picture of your child holding the project and you can take another one close up of the project if you'd like to get it from a different angle or you really have a way you want to do that. But what I love about taking a picture of them with the project is one, you get to remember how old they were when they made the project. And two, your kids are so proud of the things that they make. And I love the pictures of like kids with their stuff that they're proud of. And you can see that pride in their face and their smile and their eyes and they just light up holding their things. And so I really enjoy that. Those are some really fun pictures that I cherish. And we started doing that when our daughter was in second grade because that was uh, the year of COVID for us. And so it was just a nice way for us to be able to honor the things she was making because everything was at home, right? At that point, Um, We were doing school at home, and so it wasn't the same kind of a thing. And that just gave her a little extra special. She felt a lot more special being able to show them off that way, and then we shared them with family that way. And I just continued doing it because I loved what how those pictures turned out. And then the last part is to keep only the truly special. That's why I love the pictures. If you can take the pictures with the project, so you still have a, a memory of it. But the memory does live in your head and in your heart. It's not in that physical thing necessarily. That physical thing is just the representation of it and can spark that memory. But the memory really is inside of you. And I want you to remember that if everything is special, then nothing is special. So if you keep every project that your kids ever make, that's going to take up a lot of space and then nothing is special, right? No one wants to go through a giant bin of stuff that's filled to the tippy-tippy top and kind of just mashed in there. So if everything is special, then nothing is special. Too much of a good thing isn't a great thing. It generally tends to be a bad thing. So try to only keep the truly special. Keep the one or two projects a year that your kids worked really hard on or they were really passionate about or they loved the most. Find those little treasures in the gems and keep those and let the others go. We all know when we have something that lights us up and we're excited about and we want to share it with others and the other things that we've done and we're like, eh, it's okay, right? So do your kids. They have those too. So ask them which ones they love. And if you're kind of hemming and hawing on one and they really love one and you're like, eh, keep that one, you know, that's fine. And then like you each get to pick the one you want, right? The idea is just to not keep all of it. So if it's three things, four things, fine. If it's one thing that's truly special, great. Like it doesn't, there's no set number of things you have to keep or things you have to let go of, but just know the idea is to not hold on to all of it. Because again, we want to curate the things in our life because once we curate and edit, we really get to see and find those those treasures. And then finally, for the things that you are keeping, what do you do with those things? We have one sentimental bin for each of us in our garage, and we get to keep in that bin whatever we want. No questions asked. So again, if we're going back to these projects and there's something that your child finds they want to keep, it goes in their sentimental bin. If there's a project that they're like, I don't want to keep that, but you as the parent are like, oh my gosh, but I love this one. I want to keep it guess what? It goes in your sentimental bin. You get to keep anything you want in your sentimental bin. (laughs) But if you run out of room in your sentimental bin, then you have to make that hard decision. What gets to stay and what has to go? 
We don't get to keep everything because that just gets overwhelming and that creates the life of disorganization and chaos and just stress for us. And so it's not worth it, right? So figure out what it is that you want to keep and you can keep it in your sentimental bin. If your kids love it, they get to keep it in their sentimental bin. All right. And that that really helps. And then at the end of the year, right, like right now, our daughter's sentimental bin is not full at all because she's only 10. Mine, on the other hand, is getting really close to being full. I'm 43. <laughs> so I have four times the amount of time on this earth and different projects and things and her things that, you know, were sentimental to me that I'm not ready to let go of. So as time goes on, it's going to start to get to the point where I'm going to have to make tougher decisions and figure out what I want to keep in my bin. But we're not there quite yet. All right, so that was question number one with kids' paperwork. Question number two talks about clothing. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk about what to do when you're holding on to clothes because you fluctuate in size. Maybe your weight's still changing. Maybe you're still thinking about having another baby. So you've got some maternity items you don't want to get rid of. So how do we organize this clothing when we've got a lot of different scenarios going on? Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. All right, welcome back. Okay, so let's get into these clothes. So one of the questions was from someone who said that they love their clothes. Their youngest is three, but they're not sure if their family is going to continue to grow. So they're holding on to different sizes and some of those maternity items, but they want to know how do they get rid of more? Because again, they're not in love with everything in there. They understand that maybe they shouldn't have as much or they feel like they shouldn't have as much. 
And so what do they do in this scenario? Now, one of my favorite, favorite things is to create a capsule wardrobe. Now, if you've never created a capsule wardrobe, my favorite way to do this is to pretend you're going on vacation and plan for a two-week trip. And try to limit yourself to not everything in your closet. Like pretend you have to take one big suitcase and fit everything you want for two weeks in that big suitcase. I'm not even going to be crazy and tell you to go in a carry-on, which is what I would do. But, you know, try your hardest. If you've never done a capsule, limiting yourself to a large suitcase is plenty of of a stretch to get there, right? So let's start there and we can always refine later. But I never want us to try to do anything too drastic because then the pendulum swings the other way and we will like resist the change. So that's a great way to try on a capsule. But my other way I was recommending to her um, was to then take all of your clothes and categorize them by season and size, right? So if you have clothes that are maternity items, put those off to the side, see how many you have. And then from there, we can create our capsules within each of these different categories. So if you have sizes for what you hope to be post baby, right? Once you've lost all the baby weight, you're going to have one capsule there. You can have one capsule for your kind of comfy weight, which I know we all have those. And then you can have maybe your maternity size. So you're going to have these different capsules and that is perfectly acceptable, right? I still have a capsule for more professional attire. I don't go into an office. I haven't had a corporate job for a while, but there were a few pieces that I bought when I did work in a corporate environment that I absolutely love. I love how they fit. I love how I felt in them. And so those pieces, I actually have a very small, I think it's like five pieces, maybe four pieces, um, because I think one I actually wear just casually out and about on date nights and things like that. So four pieces that are really dedicated to that professional capsule and it doesn't take up much space in my closet. In fact, it takes up two hangers because I've hung them all together and I have it off to the side because I know if I ever wanted to uh, speak on stage, if I ever had a speaking opportunity, if I ever was presenting in, in front of a group, these are the clothes that I would reach for because it would be really nice to have something professional and I would hate to have to run out to get something. I would also hate to turn something down because I didn't have the right attire and I would hate to have to panic, rush, and buy something that I knew was just a placeholder when I have these perfectly good items that I absolutely love and I just keep a couple things in my closet. So I don't think it's bad to have these kind of just-in-case pieces If there are things that you love and you actually have an idea of when you might use them and why they would be important to you. And on the flip side, that it would be difficult to replace them quickly if you needed to. So I do have a download. I'll put it in the show notes. It's my French capsule wardrobe. And you don't have to have the French style to appreciate the way this works. Um, That just kind of is my style. So that's what I went with. It's very classic, very simple. But what I love about it is it shows you how to pair four bottoms, six tops, and two outer layers in order to create 72 outfits. So we don't need to have a lot of items in our closets in order to be able to have lots of outfits. So if you curated 12 pieces for this, you know, post baby, the comfortable, and the maternity you would then have three full capsules that you would be able to mix and match and get enough clothes out of. And so you don't have to hold on to a lot of different things. As long as the colors all work together, they mix and match, and each of the pieces go together and you feel good in them, then you have enough items. 
So I will leave a link in the show notes for that because it is a fabulous way for you you to be able to see how those things can work together. And I'm really excited because actually today I said one of my favorite tips because I don't like shopping for clothes and I don't shop for clothes very often. So my clothes are getting a little worn and it's time for me to refresh my wardrobe. So I today have a styling appointment at Nordstrom. So if you have a Nordstrom in your area and you are struggling, I know this one's organizing clothes that they already have, but if you're like me and you struggle because you don't want to shop and your clothes are getting a little, uh, they've seen better days, then something like this might work for you. So I have a free one hour styling appointment with a professional stylist who is already going to pull and curate clothing items for me based on the questionnaire that I filled out. I sent her colors that I'd like because I just had my colors done and they're totally different than what I've been wearing. So I'm excited to see how those feel when I get there. It's all going to be waiting for me. I don't have to worry about going through the store myself, picking things out, picking out my size, finding things that coordinate. She's going to do that all for me and it's free. So it's a really good option if you have a Nordstrom in your area to check it out if you're like me and you don't like shopping or you're just tight on time and you have a couple pieces that you really want to fit into a capsule when you find out as you pull it together that, okay, I like this piece, but it's not great. If I had this one thing, it would really bring these four other things together. That might be a really good option for you. All right, so that was number two was organizing clothing. Let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, we are going to finish up the last two questions. One is about two big barriers to decluttering. And the other is getting on the same page as your spouse. Both huge questions that I get all the time. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the no guilt mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Let's get into these last two questions. They're huge and loaded, and I want to make sure I do them justice. So the first is, 
I had this question that I they have two big barriers to decluttering. First, they feel guilty about filling the landfill, even with clothes that are stained and holy. And second, decision fatigue. They start off tossing easily, but then wind up taking an hour to decide what to do with the coffee maker manual. All right, so I have two really good tips for here. First is to understand that everything you own, everything that has been made, everything that is in your home that you have purchased is sadly one day going to end up in the landfill. Now that's not a carte blanche, go ahead and just toss everything you want. I want us to be sustainable and responsible when we are decluttering. Definitely make sure we're trying to get things into other people's hands that can use them. So secondhand stores, buy nothing groups on Facebook, selling things when there's a, a good threshold for you to be able to sell something and get some money back. But understand that we really can make the biggest difference on the front end before we buy something. So let's make sure we really want something and we're being intentional about what we're buying before we bring it into our home. The next part is for those clothes that are stained and holy, look into some recycling options for clothing. I know H&M has a clothing take back option. So when you go into H&M, they will take your clothes. They do not have to be H&M clothes and they will give you a 15% coupon. If you're already going to be shopping there, this is a fantastic option. Um, Even if you're not going to be shopping there and you can recycle your clothes when you're out and about, fantastic option. I will also link to, there's a clothing bag uh, that you can order online. So if you're not near an H&M, I will link to that in the show notes as well so that you can look at ways that you can recycle your clothing that is no longer usable. And you've got enough rags in your house. You don't really want to use these anymore. They're just taking out space. They definitely are garbage and need to be taken, taken out, but we can still recycle them. So I will leave a resource in the show notes for that as well. Okay, now let's get to decision fatigue. Yes, we all get decision fatigue, and that is one of the reasons why decluttering is so important in the first place. All the stuff around you is causing you to think about managing it. You are managing all the stuff in your home, whether you realize it or not. So the more stuff you have visually out in front of you, the more decision fatigue you are going to feel. And also starting off strong and tossing easily and then hitting a little bump in the road And causing you to basically just slam on the brakes and stop because you're tired, that is totally normal. So please understand that if this sounds like you. That is one of the reasons I love doing the avalanche type of decluttering where you start with 30 items and then you work back down to one versus the one where you start with one item and then you work up to 30 because I am this way. I am a starter. I love to like jump in. I've got a ton of energy and I'm ready to go. And as things wear on and life kind of gets in the way, it gets more difficult for me to continue. But knowing that there's less and less and less items to get rid of each day really works for me. So I will leave a link in the show notes for the Avalanche Declutter Challenge if that is of interest to you as well. If you need a little kick in the shorts to get your decluttering efforts started, I really suggest this. Okay, and then what to do with the coffee maker manual. So this was kind of a little bit of a wake up call because again, we don't need these manuals. We can recycle these paper manuals and never even think about them. I know so many people have a file folder filled with these manuals. I would like to ask you if you've ever looked one up. Take a minute and think, have I ever thought, oh, hey, there's a problem with this thing. And you know what? I know exactly where it is. I'm going to go to that. I'm going to go dig out that file box. I'm going to pull out that file. I'm going to look it up. 
and then I'm going to put that file back and put the box back and then I'm going to go fix the thing. Or would you just pull out the phone that's in your pocket and Google what to do to make to fix the thing that's broken? Would you look it up on YouTube University? You probably would because that's what I would do. And it's always with us. Our phone is always with us or our computer is right there and we can just Google something so quickly. Heck, you might even ask Alexa or Google to tell you how to fix it without even pulling anything out or Siri. (laughs) So how easy is that, right? We don't have to keep these manuals because nine times out of 10, you are never going to look them up anyway. The only one I would keep is the car manual because generally those are really helpful. (laughs) All right. So hopefully that helps kind of with those big barriers of like feeling guilty and then holding on to things that we absolutely don't need because we just never even thought about getting rid of it. So that was question number three. And the last question I want to talk about today is getting your spouse on the same page. Oh, this one can be so hard, especially when you have different personalities, you like different things, you come at things from different angles. You know, one person doesn't care if the house is a mess and then the other one does. So one thing that works really well for us is to have our own zones. So we each have our own space. We don't really, like I was saying earlier with the sentimental bin, we don't monitor or track or judge what's in each other's bins. So we also have different spaces like that. So the one area, this was working in the kitchen for this, the person that was asking this question. And I was actually talking about our kitchen too, because this is an area where we have differences in our home too. So I have our coffee maker out and I use it multiple times a day. So for me, it seems silly to put the coffee maker away and take it out every time I want to use it. Same with my husband. He has his smoothie maker out. He makes a smoothie or a protein shake every morning and he doesn't see the point in putting it away and taking it out either. Totally get it, right? We each have our own thing. So what has worked really well for us is to say like, okay, where can we put these things where it's not obtrusive to the other person? And It's a place where we just, that's our zone and that's great. And so the way that works for us is we put them on a tray. So he has a tray that holds all of his smoothie stuff on it. The coffee maker we have is on a tray as well. Also makes cleanup really easy. So if there's a spill, you can just take the tray and clean it up. And it also contains the clutter. So it doesn't, it gets that visual clutter and puts it all in one place. So it feels like one thing instead of the 10 different bits and pieces that go together. And so hers was on the toaster and that tray solution sounded the most interesting to her. So her husband doesn't see the need to put the toaster away all the time. And so I said, well, why don't you just put it on a tray? And then that way, one, it's easier to move around if you need to. And two, it's going to collect all the bits that come with the toaster, right? <laughs> Toasters always have lots of little crumbs and crumbles and all those things that come out. So you, it'll be easier to clean up. Plus, visually, it's on the tray and that keeps it contained. So that was my tip for her getting your spouse on the same page is sometimes we just have to compromise. Sometimes we just have to say like, okay, what is it that you want? What is what is the end goal here? What is the thing that, you know, would work for you? What's a solution that we both are okay with? Maybe it's not the exact solution you were looking for, but it's something that you can both compromise and live with and, you know, kind of just let it go that way. Because again, this is the person you love. This is your partner in life, right? So how can we find ways to work together? 
All right, so those were four of the questions I got for our live Q&A session on the last day of the Chaos to Calm Summit. I love these Q&A sessions, so um, I hope you did too. So with that, I do want to turn to you. Do you struggle with these same questions? Were my answers helpful? I would absolutely love to know what you thought. So go ahead and send me a DM on Instagram or you can comment on the post for this episode. On all of the social channels, I am wannabe clutter free. So you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest uh, using that handle. Or if you have more questions and you want to get more feedback from me, well then come on over to the wannabe minimalist family group on Facebook and share with that community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we would absolutely love to chat with you in the comments. And as always, thank you for joining me today. I am so grateful you are here. I definitely appreciate you taking time out of your very busy schedule to join me. And if you like what you hear, I do hope you subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. And if you really don't want to hear the ads, I do have a supporter podcast feed available where you can listen to every episode ad-free for less than the price of a coffee monthly, just one monthly, low, low, low monthly fee. And I will leave a link in the show notes, or you can go to wannabeclutterfree.com slash supporter to get more information. So thank you so much for joining me today. I hope I was able to answer some of your questions. And like I said before, these Q&A episodes are some of my favorites. So please feel free to reach out to me with more questions so that I can do more. And with that, I hope you have an amazing day. Until next time, keep decluttering, keep moving forward, and know that I've got your back. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.